Hey, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Free Solo Podcast. On this episode, I sat down with Mike Sesniak, a high-performance coach who is helping to grow both individuals and companies. If you are someone who is looking to invest in yourself and reach that next level, well, this is the episode for you. We dive into Mike's amazing story of how he got into coaching. We talk about being productive, overcoming fears, and being effective in your goal setting. Now, who's ready to level up with Mike and I on this incredible episode? Super excited to sit down with Mike Sesniak today. Um, so Mike, thanks for taking the time and being here with us. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. Absolutely. Without further ado, let's dive right into it. So could you just kind of start by opening up and introducing yourself, um, kind of who you are, what you're doing, kind of where you come from? Yeah, 100%. Putting that, I thought I put that on silent. <laughs> um, sorry about that, bud. But yeah, dude, I'm, I'm excited. Thanks again for having me. And uh, yeah, I, I run a high-performance coaching consulting company called The Results Engine. And basically, we work with entrepreneurs and sales pros, help them get hyper-focused on what's driving the needle, what's leading to the impact, what's leading to the income, and then build some strategy and structure on how do we do more of it without burning out so we could scale faster in a way that feels good. Um, been doing that. We've had this company, I've been running this for probably about three years now, but it started as a side hustle. We were kind of chopping it up before we press record. And, um, you know, I, I spent five years in the engineering world. My whole life revolved around where I could play soccer in college. Uh, one conversation with my guidance counselor led me to looking into engineering because I found out they made a lot of money. And back then all I wanted to do was make a lot of money, retire young and start a pit bull rescue foundation. And, um, engineering fit that build. So I went there. They, none of the, every degree has like a make or break class, right? It's like you can get through this degree if you survive whatever. And for us, that was like algorithms and a couple other classes. None of them scared me away. So I came out with an engineering degree and went straight down to wall street, um, worked for an it consulting firm for about a year there was like unpaid training and uh, learned a bunch and luckily Hurricane Sandy got me out of that contract because the East Coast got wrecked and a lot of financial budgeting was um, was affected. So I was able to walk away from that for free, find a job that fit me a little bit better, that paid me what I was worth, which is about double what the other company would have been paying me if they placed me in a client. And I spent five years there. And I used engineering as a vehicle to fund everything else. So coaching, consulting was the third business I started while in corporate. Uh, but that was the vehicle where you know I felt I could help enough people to warrant the income that I knew I wanted to create the future and the opportunities that I wanted for myself and my loved ones. So um, yeah, that's about as much as I can condense that. But uh, yeah, that's like the the ten thousand foot view. Cool. And when, when you say vehicle, what do you mean by that? Just for for people out there. Yeah. So, uh, opportunity company, whatever it is. Like when I say vehicle, I mean, it's a, a, wow, that's tough to define, I guess. Now (laughs) that I'm thinking about it, but something that I can monetize, right? Like, uh, engineering was a vehicle for me, right? Network marketing is a vehicle. E-commerce is a vehicle. Brick and mortar, like retail is a vehicle. Coaching, consulting is a vehicle. So anything that I could monetize and help people through, right? Because I believe my impact, my income will always be directly proportional to the number of lives that we touch. So anything that could allow me to help so many people that I could do in exchange for dollars, that I could make enough money to provide the lifestyle I wanted. And uh, this was just the third that I tested. And about five years into my tenure in corporate, I finally jumped off the cliff and have been figuring out how to build the wings ever since. 
And um, it's been a cool journey. Yeah, I love that analogy of building the wings on the way down because that's what entrepreneurship really is. You you start from nothing. Uh, I guess in, in your case now with the, the third venture here, you have some sort of foundation, but still you got to build from yeah. the ground up just like you got to build those wings on the way down. But kind of with those first two, first two ventures, first two companies, what, what did you kind of learn from those? Um, the, kind of the mm. successes, the failures um, that have now made the results engine such a success? Yeah, so I think... Uh, the first thing, so for context, I mentioned two of the ventures when I was giving those examples, first business, just missed my hand for anyone watching the video. First business, um, was a network marketing company in the health and wellness space, which I believe is a phenomenal industry, very misunderstood at times because it's done poorly a lot. Uh, but so is any industry. And uh, the next one was, uh, e-commerce and drop shipping. So, and in that order. Right. So the first business, um, you know, a lot of people like Robert Kiyosaki talks about network marketing and direct sales and these industries, multi-level marketing as business school for entrepreneurs. And I think that there's a lot of truth to that. Like I haven't found an industry that preaches personal development more than those industries. And that really served me. Like I started my library because I was sitting at my, now my very good friend's dinner table with the leader that we were working with at the time. And he told me to order two books. One was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and one was um, Why A Students Work for C Students, both Robert Kiyosaki books. And uh, that's kind of what started it all. You know, I I had some personal development books, but I didn't know what personal development was. I, I bought them because I was sitting on a train at the beginning of my career in corporate. I was going from Westchester County down to Wall Street and between the different transfers and whatnot, it took me about two and a half hours each way. And I was like, man, if I don't figure out how to use this time effectively, like I'm going to go nuts. Like something bad's going to go down. Like I'm going to hurt somebody is not going to be good. So I started reading before I even knew what that was, but it wasn't as, as frequent and as like, uh, I guess like ubiquitous in my life. Like it wasn't everywhere until, uh, I started in that industry. And what that did for me is one, like becoming well-read will serve you, right? Uh, there's obviously the, the downfall or the, the potential like um, roadblock where it's like overconsumption of information and lack of implementation. And I think we all experience that in some capacity. Absolutely. But like we have the opportunity to, sorry, the dogs are going nuts. Like we're all in quarantine and working from home and it's an unfortunate reality of the situation. I think that's something we can all relate to. So dude, it's always the little ones that are loud. Like I have my dog Shaq. He's just chilling on my bed right now, but the little one is just barking at everyone that walks down the street. Um, but I would say that was the, that was the big thing that, um, that really was firmed up for me in that first venture was man, we have the opportunity to learn every lesson from some of the greatest people that have ever walked this earth. Right. And it's condensed into 300 pages or it's condensed into a freaking eight hour audio book. Like what? That's amazing. And all that takes is a little discipline, like a little less music on the subway and a little more audio book. Like, come on, man. Like that's epic. So it put me in connection with a lot of resources, i.e. personal development books. It got me into these worlds of seminars and investing in myself. Uh, and then it also just connected me with a lot of people that have become great relationships, great mentors, great friends over the years. Uh, hell, some of them business partners. And um, that's what really it all started. And then I guess in the next one, 
the next one was just like a really exploratory phase for me. Yeah. It was like, okay, well, why not try this? Like, let's just document the entire journey. And we were just testing Shopify and like some, some plugins on Shopify where you could do like custom print drop shipping and stuff like that. And, um, it was just an exploratory phase. We were like, I vlogged the whole thing like every single day for a couple of weeks, which was a, an interesting experience. And I think that, you know, you need to test and fail and, um, and just see what it is that you want to do. And for, for me, that was like, okay, let's figure out what we can do with this. And if we want to pursue it, and I think it was just a testament to man, like we have every opportunity that we want via the internet. First thing I ever learned in the engineering world was don't cheat, use Google. And I think that that like is relevant to everything we're doing. And that venture was a, it like really firmed that up in the business world for me. Sure. I want to take a quick step back. You were talking about riding the subway and just diving into all of, all of these, this content that, that could benefit you. But that's not something that people just steer towards, right? You could have been watching Netflix. You could have been streaming. You could have been listening to music, whatever it was. What yeah. was it specifically that pushed you to want to seek out that knowledge? Because we do have that choice there. Um, so what really drove yeah. you to, to try and better yourself and really dive into that world? Yeah, well, I think that was what also very much, I think I was like predisposed to that, but uh, that was kind of just like my nature, you know, like I've always been trying to create, even though engineering is extremely profitable, I was making really good money, frankly, probably more than I deserved. But um, like, I always wanted to create still, right? Like I, I started three different companies while I was in that vehicle, right? And um, frankly, no one really understood why I left. And uh, that's a whole different conversation that I'm sure we'll d jump into. But already being kind of leaning that way of like, I want to create something bigger. I want more. I want to work harder. Um, being surrounded by people thinking bigger very much helps propel that, right? Like there's all these cliches. You're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And there's a lot of truth. And when you can enter and find your ways into those circles and those rooms of people that give you permission to think bigger, it leads to different clarity, right? In the high performance world, seeking clarity is the cornerstone habit. And what we mean by that is when you have clarity, everything rises. But when you don't, everything kind of falls back a bit, right? right? It's like that amplification source. And when you generate that clarity, it really like, it exposes a lot, you know? And for me, it was just an opportunity for like, okay, well, I'm spending two hours of my day commuting. At that point, I was already living in Manhattan, but my commute by the end of, by our third office at this company, it was about 45 minutes each way. So I'm like, cool, hour and a half of personal development. Amazing. Like if I do that every single day, that's three, six, seven and a half hours. I could finish a book a week just on the subway, right? On average, on right. Audible, especially if you listen at 1.5 X speed, which if you don't, you should. Uh, sometimes <laughs> too, depending on the narrator. But that was kind of how I looked at it. I'm like, how the hell can I rationalize wanting these seven, eight, nine figure businesses if I'm not willing to invest an hour and a half of my day that's dead time, right? And don't get me wrong. Like there were most definitely days that I listened to music where you're like, you're in a funk. There were a lot of layoffs at my company in the last yeah. year that I was there. They announced 2000 job cuts the year that I was leaving and most of them were my friends that I had started with, right? By the time I left, there were only two other senior engineers at the company from when I started. And they were both on my team. 
And the only reason for that was the nature of what we owned in the tech stack, right? So um, if I wasn't willing to invest that amount of time, how the hell can I rationalize wanting those things? Like I don't actually want them. You know, our, our reality is basically derives from the actions that we take and our actions that we take are based on the decisions we make. So if we want different results, we make different decisions and having that clarity makes it a little bit easier to make those decisions. Yeah. I think that's just so true where they, they have the line where if you, you keep doing the same, the same thing over and over again, um, it just becomes a mistake. It's no longer a choice at that point. Um, so I think that's kind of, kind of awesome that you're hitting on that. But what was kind of that, that turning point where you were, you were already successful, you were already making good money um, in engineering, but you realized you wanted more. Was there a particular point in your life where you, you thought that you could go out and do more and then did? Yeah. I, to speak to the last part, I mean, I think that we have multiple moments like that where we validate that we made the right decision. But in terms of the first part, which is like wanting more, I don't necessarily know that there was a moment. Like dude, I built a duct tape wallet company in fifth grade, right? Like why, why? And dude, it was amazing. Cost of goods was like nothing. It was my time because I got my parents to buy the duct tape. It was sick, you know, and I didn't even have to pay for my materials, but let's be real. If I I was like, what, how old are you in fifth grade? 10, 11? I don't even know. 10 years old. Why? What did I need money for? Right. You know, if I wanted to go to the movies with my friends, my parents would have dropped me off, handed me a 10 spot and been like, cool, we'll be back in three hours to pick you up. Like it would have been fine, <laughs> right. but we did that. And then I took two buddies on in that company to try and quote unquote scale. Right. And one of those buddies ended up then getting me a job to work retail with him, with our other friend, my other, the, so the two of us that got the job started the same day with the other guy who was already working there. I worked retail for 10 years through the beginning of my software career because it was unpaid training Monday through Friday. And then I would work Saturday and Sunday retail to have a little bit of money. Uh, Cause you're like, at that point you're kind of like almost an adult, right? Like you're graduated college. Like, why did I do that? I don't know. Why did I start three companies? Like my point is, and I'm not special. These are just decisions. And it's like what I was kind of like predisposed to, which is like what I mentioned earlier. I don't know that there was a pivotal moment in that. It's just kind of always been there. And um, for me, I've just always thought a little bit bigger. I've thought a little bit differently. I was a goalkeeper in soccer and that was kind of my license to be a little crazy, like I have a couple screws loose. And I just figured out how to channel that from soccer into the gym, right? Which has served me very well in my fitness journey and my powerlifting uh, experiences. And then I figured out how to transition it from there into corporate. And that's why I had a very linear growth in corporate every year, big pay raise, big promotion. And then I figured out how to transition that into entrepreneurship. And it's why we've been able to do what we're doing. So, um, it's just this constant evolution. And for me, it was kind of always the path that I I've been on since I guess at least 10 years old. Um, but like it was just decisions, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you talked about a lot of things being very linear in your life. I know you've also been very open about a lot of things you've struggled with in your life as well. Um, yeah. Dealing with adversity, um, dealing with anxiety, even. Could you maybe go into that a little bit and how someone that is doing so well now and so successful now, how you overcame those hardships? Yeah, dude, I had a really interesting journey with anxiety and panic attacks in my early 20s. Um, and a big reason was there's a bunch of reasons that are related to what I'm doing right now, which I'll go into. But I think I want to start with like, I didn't realize social media was a highlight reel. 
And I think that this is so important now with like, I mean, do the big thing right now is TikTok, right? Like 15 year olds with like 40 million followers on TikTok. Um, and they're getting tons of hate, right? But like, we only see the wins there. And I didn't realize at the time that no one was sharing the L's. I thought it was just, I thought I was looking at the people that seemingly had what I wanted. And I thought I was looking at what it took to get there. I thought I was looking at the blueprint. So that, like, that kind of assisted in me developing a very negative and like very toxic mindset around work ethic, right? I was definitely that dude that was like, grind, hustle, grind, like I'm working harder than you, bro. And uh, I, I still definitely am like the competitive nature in me, but it's not on Instagram as much, you know? But I also realized that I had zero clue what it meant to be productive. So to give context to like when this journey started, this was probably, I was living in Manhattan at the time. I had this like nice apartment on the Upper East Side. It was sick. This is January 1st, 2014 was the first day that I ever had a full-blown panic attack. So I guess January 1st, I was 23 years old. So I had been in corporate for about a year. I was making really good money. The trajectory had already started. The growth was definitely there. And um, on the outside, things were beautiful, man. Like luxury apartment. Uh, I didn't quite have the senior title yet or the six figure salary yet, but they weren't very far off. I think that was like 24, 25 ish that those came into the picture, but like doing very, very well. But as we know about these stories, like behind closed doors, that was not the reality. Right. Right. And, um, you know, on that moment that January 1st, my roommate was out of town. I was sitting on my couch on the 14th floor of this apartment building and I was watching Captain Phillips. And I was so fired up for Captain Phillips, man. Like I hadn't, I hadn't seen the movie yet and I wanted to for a very long time. And um, I was so excited. And then all of a sudden this thing overcame me where if anyone hasn't experienced this, I hope you never do. But basically it's like, you feel like there's a thousand pounds on your chest, right? And I'm sitting by myself on this apartment in this apartment. And I'm like, man, I don't want I don't want to be that kid that calls 911 on myself, you know? So I picked up the phone and I called my mom to just like have a conversation or have someone to talk to. And I'll never forget. I pressed, I, I guess my rationale was if someone was really that bad, she would have told me to like what to do, <laughs> you know, right. like you're still super young. Mom's always got your yeah. back. Exactly. Exactly. And I'll never forget. I had to press mute on the phone because I was head deep in a toilet, puking my brains out in the middle of this attack because it got so bad. And I didn't want to freak my mom out more than I'm sure my tonality on the phone already was. And this started like a year, year and a half of this huge journey trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Because at the time, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what anxiety was. I had never heard of anyone experiencing like this. Back then, it wasn't cool to talk about mental health, right? So I felt very alone. And, and to be honest, up until I was probably 27, there were five people in my life that knew I experienced anything like this. My parents, my sister, my roommate, and one of my other best friends that was like my go-to phone call when I wasn't feeling well. And this year and a half, it was like going to the doctors, getting my chest x-ray, doing the breathing test. I thought it was like a physiological issue because I had no context of what was going on. But eventually, I had to reverse engineer what was actually happening. I'm like, okay, well, when are these attacks happening? And dude, every single one of them, without fail, 100% of them happened in a moment where I felt guilty for not working, right? I thought that if I wasn't working 47 hours a day, I wasn't being productive enough, 
right? I had zero clue what it actually meant to be productive. I thought it was being busy, checking things off of a to-do list, getting things done, working long hours. I didn't realize that doing things doesn't matter if the things you're doing don't matter, right? I didn't get it back then. And that set me on this journey where I started to geek out about productivity. Personal development was really still ramping up then. This is a long journey of growing myself, investing in myself, practicing mindfulness, all these different things that have led to where we are right now. But I always argue that that uncertainty around productivity, that lack of clarity right there, that kind of cracked the door that would eventually get burst open when I entered the consulting space. But I resisted it for a very long time uh, just because of personal stigmas I had around the industry. And um, it, it took me a while to give myself that permission. But eventually we did. And, and that was kind of the context. Like that's how it all pieced in. Um, I don't think you necessarily cure anxiety. I don't think that you ever really get away from it fully. I definitely still experience it from time to time. But what I will say is that I haven't experienced a full-blown panic attack in probably four to five years. And, um, you know, it's, it's something that you just learn to, for me, it looked like giving myself a little grace, right? It was like, dude, I don't need to freak out on a Saturday morning because I feel like shit because I went out and had a couple beers because it was my friend's birthday the night before. All right. I had to realize like, dude, you're 23. You work your ass off. It's okay. Like you can order seamless, which is the delivery option of choice in New York city, like Grubhub, Uber Eats, whatever you can get your seamless at like 2 PM, watch a movie and then get a couple hours of work done at night. If you really need to work, like that's okay. I had to build that grace in for me and develop a little healthier mindset. Um, and that did not mean by the way, lowering the targets or like letting myself off the hook. It was just like understanding what was actually needed to get where I wanted to go. And just living in alignment with that, again, coming back to clarity. So a uh, little long-winded answer, but that's kind of the context of it um, and like where it is now. Yeah, I mean, that's an incredible story. How do you, with the kind of the focal point of that being productivity, now that you kind yeah. of allow yourself to take those breaks and make sure you're taking care of yourself, how have you noticed your productivity change um, once you started treating yourself a little better? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of like comparing apples and oranges, right? Cause I don't think I was productive at all before, you know, it was, here's the thing about productivity. It's not about doing more. Sometimes it's about doing less to get more. So when you have, when it's so skewed as it was in my early years, um, it's tough to, to get a grasp of like how it compares, but it's, I, what I will say is it's like a never ending process of learning about how you operate and how you work best. No matter what it is, there is no one size fits all solution. And whatever you're going to do, whatever you guys want to do listening to this, like whatever your vision is, just get clear on what you want, what it will take to get there and live in alignment with that. Right. And productivity is just an element of that. I don't think there's a one size fits all. And I think we're all constantly learning how we operate best so we can improve it. Um, but I don't think that stops. And, and obviously productivity is way better now, but back then it was so messed up, man. <laughs> it's, it's tough to compare. It was like the only thing that was productive, I guess, was the eight to 10 hours a day I was selling to my, the company I was employed by, um, on a day-to-day -day basis for about five years outside of that. It, very much ebbed and flow. Like there, there were uh, ups and downs of it for sure. Gotcha. And then 
kind of keep just jumping back and forth here, but with social media as well, being a highlight reel recently, yeah. you you're very open on social media, um, very vulnerable on social media as well. How yeah. are you able to kind of overcome that? I think it's not, it's definitely not easy to put your true self out on social media. So how do you get yourself to do that? And then like, what do you think the, the benefits of that are as well? Yeah, it's a really good question, man. I think because of what I kind of went through, I think that authenticity piece, which nowadays, let's be real, it's a it's a buzzword that gets thrown around. Authentic yeah. and vulnerable get thrown around like freaking candy. Um, but you could see who's doing it real and who's doing it just for the sake of doing it so they could say they can and try and like induce people into buying something. Like the true authenticity is very apparent. Um, but I think because of what I experienced, it became this innate part of my mission to always be transparent about the journey. And like, I'm not perfect. There's obviously an ego component that we all experience on a day to day. If we want to be, we want to appear a certain way, you know, and, um, and I definitely have that too, but I do my best to, to tell that story as, as truly as it can be. That's in service of my audience, not just being vulnerable for the sake of being vulnerable, but because I think what I've noticed is that a lot of coaches out there, they, they preach this idea of vulnerability, but again, it's just doing it for the sake of doing it. There's no purpose, right? There's no point in me opening the curtains of every single detail of my life unless it's in, in service of the mission that I'm trying to serve or the value I'm trying to bring. And um, for me, mental health and like I'm grateful that for me it was only anxiety and panic and that that and nothing more serious. But uh, being transparent about that is is very important to me because it played a big role in my journey. And I know what it's like to look at social and not know what's going on behind the scenes and think that I'm messing it up, right? And to think that I'm not doing what I need to do because I know I'm not alone. Like, dude you're a sophomore in college running a big podcast. Like you clearly want big things. I'm sure that you have very high goals and even higher expectations. So I'm sure you can relate to this in your own way. Anyone listening to this, people just average people don't listen to podcasts around improving themselves. Right. They're on Spotify all the time and no, no judgment. Like I listen to Spotify too in certain areas of my day. Uh, and well, Spotify is podcast now too, but you get what I mean? Like music, <laughs> whatever. And, um, like people can relate to this. And I know that I wasn't alone feeling that way. So I think it's always just innately been a part of that mission. And I just do my best to lean into it. Of course, there's resistance. And of course, there's times where maybe I could do it a little bit more because we're human, right? Like nobody's perfect, but I do my best to share that. And you're right. Like it is, it is very difficult. I never forget dude, the first, the first time I ever shared a video about that experience on January 1st, 2014, it was, I don't think I shared it until 2017, maybe 2018. I have to go look at the date, to be honest, of when I posted it. Um, and again, five people in my life knew about this. Right. Not a lot of people knew. I recorded the video two or three times because I, I was so like self-critiquing myself, like wanted to make sure like, dude, screw it. If I'm going to actually do this, I want the message and the emotion to be delivered properly. So I recorded a bunch of times and then finally it got to the point where, um, you know, I had been sharing it with my, my business coach at the time. I'm like, do you think it's good? Like, do I need to redo it? Da, da, da. And they, they were supporting me and getting it ready. 
because I knew it was an important message that I really wanted to share. But by the time we finally got ready for me to press publish, I, uh, <laughs> I pressed it. I put my phone on silent and I drove straight to my gym and I was living in Jersey city at the time, like right across the river from Manhattan. And I worst, used to work out at a, uh, like a small box gym, like a small powerlifting gym is yep. door code access. Like you let yourself in. If no one's there, you plug your phone in, blast whatever music you want as loud as you want at any hour of the day. And I just made sure that my phone was the one that got plugged in. So I wouldn't be around my phone. I put it on do not disturb. So I wouldn't see the notifications. And I, I just let it go. And I made one phone call before I walked in the gym. I was parked outside. I called my buddy who was the one person that, um, that I had talked to outside of the other four. And, uh, I just wanted to give him a heads up like, Hey bro, um, all that stuff I told you about, I'm putting it in a video on social. Everything's good. Don't worry. Uh, thank you for, you know, supporting me in those times. And, um, dude, I pressed publish and I walked into the gym and, unplugged for like three hours because I was so petrified of what the response is going to be. But here's what I'll tell you. I had more support than I probably ever experienced on a social media post. I had people like very close in my life, very close friends, family members reaching out to me via message or well, a lot of them via message because it got very deep, our conversations, but some of them in the comments, reaching out to me saying, dude, it's so awesome. Like, thank you for sharing your story. I've experienced that and much worse. Like, I really appreciate wow. your willingness to share. And you, when you experience things like that, like that, it kind of validates why you're doing what you're doing, right? Because again, there's vulnerability and then there's vulnerability for the sake of being vulnerable. If there's a mission behind it, it's a whole lot different. And I knew that um, I was sharing that story because I had been through something that I felt was going to serve people. And I wanted people to be able to hack that learning curve right, and, and experience that lesson. So um, most definitely extremely difficult. And it, it just, it's like with anything, man, you're super afraid of it. You chop it down into consumable chunks and you do that repeatedly. And then eventually you can handle a little bit more. Right. And, and that's how you work through things. You get a little bit better. This was no different, but dude, yeah, it's scary as hell when you first publish that first video telling any part of your story that you're afraid to tell. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to build off the impact part of that into the results engine and really what you do now. Um, mm -hmm. It's kind of a, a second part, I guess, of this episode here. Really want to leverage having your time um, and just see if I can kind of pull some of your insights out um, that hopefully a big college audience for this podcast. So hopefully can be very beneficial to them. Um, really just kind of starting with goal setting. Um, I know yep. this is something you're really big on and like a lot of times people will set goals over and over again, but never reach them. Um, yep. but you have some tips and tricks for that. Could you go into that maybe a little bit and how we can actually start reaching our goals? Yeah. Dude, I think that there's, it's such an interesting topic, right? There, there's this concept of, I mean, if anyone's ever followed Grant Cardone, he obviously believes in like the 10 X rule right? And like taking your goal and 10 xing it, which is a great. And I, I like that concept. It was one of the first books. Like when I first really got into personal development, again, I'm a goalie. I'm crazy. I like very much relate to that raw, authentic, unfiltered. And back then it was like him and Gary V were the only people doing it. Um, very, at like a very high level. So I was consuming a lot of Grant's content, but 10 extra was a book that changed the game early on for me. And that part's awesome. I believe in that. But what most people fail to do 
is 10x the result that they or the action that they think they need to take as well right so we're we're striving for a bigger target doing the same thing and then we're confused why we don't hit it and here's what happens dude every single time we don't hit that goal we chip a little bit away at a self at our self confidence right every single time we don't take an action that we say we're going to do on a daily basis we whittle away a little bit of that self confidence but conversely every time we do what we say we're going to do we stack another win Right? I have this concept that I work with my clients on all the time about wind stacking. And I guess the best way to illustrate it is there are all these articles on like Forbes and Entrepreneur about how making your bed will make you a millionaire, right? I'll tell you what, with the exception of a handful of days, I've made my bed every single day for the last couple of years. And I check like every day, it has not put a dollar in my bank account yet. <laughs> right. But here's what it has done. It's a win that gets stacked early on right? That's why morning routines are powerful. It doesn't matter about making your bed. Yeah, there's an argument for the mental clarity about having a nice place to come up. Like I get that and I'm not ignorant to that and that's valuable, but it's not as valuable as the fact that it's a win that you stack over and over and over and over again, right? All of these little tasks, all of a sudden we could stack four or five wins before we even leave our bedroom in the morning. Now this might be a little different because everyone's working out of their bedroom or whatever it is. It's a quarantine situation. <laughs> we, don't, we don't leave our but, bedrooms anymore. Exactly. But that's kind of the point, right? It's not about that wind stacking builds that confidence. But when we don't do what we say we're going to do, we chip away at it. And that's what starts to happen when we 10x these goals without 10xing the action and the, the input, right? We can't just 10x the output and expect a, a normal input to lead to it. So that's the first major, major downfall. Um, and unfortunately, we continue to keep the target, but we don't change what we're doing too, too, too much. So I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but it always comes back to clarity, right? We need to know what we want. If we know what we want, we can start to reverse engineer what it takes to get there. And these are the most important things. So when I set goals, I typically... Um, I typically like, I, I don't go too detailed in the macro and maybe that's a downfall of mine. I don't know. I'm open to that being a possibility. I just personally don't, uh, I'm starting to do a lot more work around that. So we'll have to check back in and I'll tell you how it's changed. Absolutely. But I typically know like, okay, cool. Like I want to have an idea of what I want five, 10 years down the line, but I want to know what are the targets for this year, right? Maybe what are the targets for five years, but what is the target for this year? Cause then I can reverse engineer six months, three months month and then like for i'm an engineer man like i'm ocd about numbers i need to take a very pragmatic approach to things so i'm like okay this is my target and i think a b and c are gonna lead me to it now what are the quantities and by when right so when i'm setting goals i have targets for all of those areas but i like to break it down in a daily and a weekly basis like in our programs fear hacking 30 60 90 when i'm working with my clients we do blitzes which are 30 day blitzes. And the idea is to take a goal that probably in our eyes would have taken us maybe six to 12 months and condense it down into 90 days. And we do that by overloading the numbers. Uh, but it starts with this idea of cool, what does that first blitz look like? And, and these are daily and weekly non-negotiables that we do, right? So that's how I tend to do it because I'm a little OCD. Like I need to know I need to keep a really tight finger on the pulse, like what's happening on a daily basis. So I know that it's measurable, it's quantifiable. Am I on track? If not, what needs to pivot? Um, but that's just what's worked well for me and my clients. So I guess to generalize that into our lesson, 
one year, six month, three month, one month goals, like targets, non-negotiable targets that you're going to hit, figuring out what action items lead to them, and then assigning quantities, right? And I guess one other aside that I'll throw in here is we don't need to go guns blazing out the gate. And when people do, they fail. Why is that? It's because it's not sustainable. And it's not sustainable, right? It's why New Year's resolutions fail. 97% like, of people fail by January 13th. Well, why? It's because they, their resolution is, I want to lose more weight. Well, cool. How much and by when? Right? If we don't know the target, we can lose 35 pounds, but we could have feel like we could have done 50. And then we don't even celebrate 35. It's like, dude, that's like a six-month-old baby like off of your body. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know if do six month olds like weigh 35 pounds. I don't know. I'm completely I'm not, I'm not sure, but yeah, it's significant. You know what I mean? And, um, but the other side of it is they don't know how much and they don't know by when, but aside, aside from that, it's like, cool. Well, how, how are you going to get there? I'm going to work out two hours a day, five days a week. It's like, cool. Well, right now you're working out zero hours a day, zero days a week. So do we really think this is sustainable? The business and life is no different. So. That's the other component. And, and when we work in Fear Hacking 306090, which is one of the programs we have within the company, uh, that's the big thing. That first blitz is a confidence building phase. We're building the foundation because then we can start to overload those numbers. Because again, we've kept our word to ourselves. We've stacked those wins on a daily basis for 30, 30 days. And now all of a sudden it's guns blazing and we can start to figure out what our capacity truly is. Not what we think it is, because that's probably only 40% of what we're actually capable of we could start to chase that number as far as possible. All of a sudden then there's a massive gap and then we can accomplish more than we thought we could. So long winded answer. Hopefully there's some nuggets in there for people. Yeah. I want to throw a loop into that. If you, so breaking everything down, you have kind of these, I guess, year long goals that you break down into smaller components, but let's say yeah. you miss your, you miss your goals on a couple of days straight. You're no longer yeah. win stacking at that point. How do you overcome those days when you don't necessarily hit your goals? Um, how do you kind of get back on track to those? you forget about it, right? Not, obviously you take the lessons from it. We don't just ignore the fact that we failed, right? We right. reverse engineer like, well, why'd that happen? And we assess those pain points. But tomorrow's a new day. I had this conversation with a client the other day and he's like, well, dude, what happens when you try and play catch up? And eventually, like if you miss so many days in a row, all of a sudden the catch up becomes really, really a massive number that's overwhelming, right? Like, let's look at an example. We help a lot of sales pros in this fear hacking program. So a very classic action item is, okay, a number that we're gonna track is how many pieces of cold outreach on a daily basis. Maybe the number's 100 calls. But what's happening to companies right now? A lot of people are getting let go. Teams are being impacted. And even if you still are around, if your entire team, gets cut in half and like five of your colleagues on a 10 team, 10 person team are let go. That's going to impact you. And that's, that's just the fact of the matter. You might not hit a hundred that day. And then maybe there's another round and you, you, you know, you, you get impacted again. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you're trying to play catch up on like a thousand calls. Dude, that's a freaking mountain on your back. So it's just like with anything. You always hear this in the fitness space. I love parallels between fitness and business, probably because fitness plays a huge role in my life and, uh, and it's a lot of my network are fit pros, but I love the parallel. 
we don't, well, the problem is we do, which is why most people bail on their diets. But in a perfect world, like we're going to bail on a diet because we took an extra Oreo, right? And then all of a sudden, well, failed on my diet. Might as well go order like two large pizzas. And then it's a 3,000 calorie mistake as opposed to a 25 calorie mistake. Right. Right. Like we have to have a short term memory about these things. Take the lessons from it. But the next day is a new day. Start scratch, start from scratch, hit your targets and you start to build the momentum again. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Um, I think you really hit that there. Uh, I guess next topic before I think we kind of wrap up here is public speaking, which is a, a yeah. tough thing. For so many people, um, but it's also one of the biggest that, fears people have voted, if not the biggest. Like, it's up there with like snakes. Might be more spiders. afraid of public speaking than death. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's definitely up there, um, but it's something you do a lot of. Um, yeah, you're always on people's podcasts, doing a lot of a lot of other engagements as well. Um, just advice for people that are are mortified of public speaking to go out there and just absolutely crush it. Start, start. Um, in in our work we do like a lot of a lot of like blitz work and leveraging fear in a lot of these things so we do things like for example reverse bets like hacking the decision making so that we do more of what we know we need to do right how do we hold that accountability find a way to hold yourself accountable whether it's like if you're looking for extra support i'd love to support people but even if that's just like getting an accountability buddy it's like hey i'm going to go to toastmasters once this week just to try it out right toastmasters is a great it's an international organization there i was spoiled because i was in new york so there were like a thousand different clubs test a couple out find one that fits your schedule that you fit the vibe etc i found an amazing club but it's a really good introductory course because i don't know if course is the right word but you get the opportunity to speak on a stage right you could start to lean into that fear a little bit you could start to get a little bit better um or maybe like for me that was also like getting on facebook and recording a video do my videos from five years ago are hilarious <laughs> hilarious i remember it was like 5 a.m in the morning i'm like wearing my grandfather's old peak coat overcoat that's like full length freaking gangster jacket but i got like sweats on underneath because i'm heading to the subway carrying like my uh big gym bag that's full of like my meals for the day my clothes for work like my laptop if i had it getting on the train going down to wall street to get a workout in at new york sports club before going to my job and it's like 12 degrees outside so I'm like, I got glove on one hand and my other hand's like freezing because I had to take the glove off. I'm like holding the phone in front of me, recording a video in pitch darkness. <laughs> I sucked, but like you're going to suck at pretty much everything when you start. And then you lean into that fear. You do a little bit more and you get a little bit more comfortable, but you still suck just a little bit less. And then you keep working. And then a couple of years down the line, you're still probably going to suck, but you're way better than you used to be, right? <laughs> right? You suck a little bit less at every step. And as long as we can embrace that suck, whatever that looks like for us on our journey, and just find a vehicle that can support us, public speaking is no different. It's just a bigger fear for a lot of people. So Toastmasters is a great resource. But at the end of the day, like whether it's Toastmasters or Facebook Live is another really scary thing, just start. Like, People are worried that they're going to get made fun of. 
dude, I'll tell you what, you're already getting made fun of. They're just not saying it out loud publicly. Maybe they're gossiping, just not on a Facebook live stream. So what does it matter? You're working towards what it is that you want to do. And even if what you want to do is just build confidence that's going to pour over into other areas, just start. So press record, press go live, you know, reach out and, and go as Toastmasters as a guest. Every club, I'm pretty sure you can go for free as a guest. The only time you have to invest any money is if you want to like give speeches and be part of that curriculum and go through it. But there are opportunities for guests to get involved and like, you know, they do something called table topics where you get called up at random and you get to participate and like a topic's thrown at you and you have two minutes to just talk and you're going to freeze. But the next time you won't freeze as much, right? Moral of the story is we got to get going because until if we don't, that fear is just going to keep getting bigger and bigger and tough for us to work through. So start to chip away at it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, a kind of a, a great wrapping up point for us. Um, before I let you go, any kind of final thoughts, um, insights that, that you want to share with everybody? Yeah, dude. I mean, first of all, thanks again for having me. And this is a fun conversation, man. And um, if anything resonated with people, if anyone has questions, like please slide in the DMs. I know that a lot of times there's this barrier of I'm afraid to reach out and ask for help because I feel like I'm going to get sold something. Don't get me wrong. If it makes sense, we can have those conversations, but I don't, I want to make it clear. Like if people have questions, I answer all of my DMs and right now with what's going on in the world more than ever, we need to make sure that we're building relationships and getting our questions answered so that we have the resources that can propel our lives and, and provide for our families. So if there are any questions, slide in the DMs. I'm just Mike Sesniak on Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook and everything. Um, you might have to spell that out for people because the name is a little scary. Yeah, it'll be uh, in the, uh, the description, the comments. Yeah, so. links make it way easier. My goal in life is to have such a massive impact that people learn how to spell my name. And um, other than that, dude, if, if it, people loved or resonated with this content, your content, they enjoyed the conversation, they want to learn more about what we're doing, the best place is the podcast. I run a show called The Results Engine been really grateful and, and it's been an amazing experience. I've been fortunate to connect with some badass people. The show's ranked very, very well and it's growing well and I'm just having a lot of fun with it. So we're doing two interviews a week and then we do a solo episode on Fridays that's like the nitty gritty tactical high performance stuff. I think the episode that just went live this morning as we're recording this was around like time blocking, how I'm doing it, how my clients are going through it. Uh, so all that's on Friday, like bite-sized content that you can deploy right now to really get an impact. Um, so it would mean the world if people would, would check that out and, and, uh, and learn a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. We'll definitely include all the links, everything, um, to make sure people can connect with you. Mike, this has been so awesome. I was kind of locked in at some points cause I was just like, I should be taking notes or writing something down. Um, but then reminded myself that I have this audio to go back to. Exactly. Um, exactly. so I re really appreciate you taking the time. I always love talking to other podcast hosts because they kind of know how this goes and, they know the flow. They know the format. Um, so it makes everything just a little bit easier. Um, so again, appreciate you coming on. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. This is a great conversation. You crushed it. Great questions. Thank you. I look forward to uh, connecting with you here soon. Likewise. I would like to extend a huge thank you to everyone that took the time to listen to today's show. As always, all episodes are available on all major podcast streaming platforms, such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. To stay up to date with us for the latest content and news, please go check out our Instagram at freesolopod.